This is Booch News with Ian Griffin, a podcast all about kombucha. So I'm on the phone this morning with Gary Lee of Go Kombucha, uh, based in the UK, a, a, a person who's been involved with kombucha long in the most have in England. And it's great to talk with you, Gary. How are you doing? I'm great, Ian, and thanks for um, having, having you on your podcast. Um, I should say good morning because it's afternoon here, so you're on the yeah. west coast of California, yeah? Yeah, that's right. And you're yeah. based, I believe, Go Kombucha is brewed in Sussex, right? That's where you've based your business now. And I think it's fair to say people, I'll say this right up front, whatever we talk about this morning is only going to be the tip of the iceberg because you have a very informative website and Instagram and people should go to gokombucha.co.uk where for instance now it's your 20th anniversary as a kombucha brand you posted a history of your journey and let's talk about that I mean 20 years that's uh, that's a couple of lifetimes right it must be in this industry okay that's right Ian I feel every year of it as well so um where to start, really? I mean, my, my story is on, on the site. Um, if, you, if you've card enough, there's lots, lots of blogs. Um, it's also a pricey of, you know, how I got started. And, you know, um, it, it's a familiar opening line. It's, um, oh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember what else. What's that? Um, it, was, it was basically a, a trip to a boathouse in, in Teddington, uh, Middlesex, uh, 2003, um, where f- friends were making kombucha um, in their in their Cali kitchen, and uh, you know they, they were like playing me with, with glasses of it each time I visited, and you know I was getting to, to, to like it and be quite curious about it. Um, and when I got to find out about you know all its benefits or its properties, I kind of was a bit of a visionary because at the time, 2003, probiotics, gut health, um, alternatives to alcohol. Um, the addictive qualities of sugar, none of those were really in the public eye, so to speak. So I kind of, um, you know, pulled all that together and thought, wow, this could be, this could be really, um, really, a really useful drink to introduce to the masses. Yeah, and, and that's where, as I say, people can read the very, uh, very honest uh, story yeah. of the founding of your company. But I'm curious to know, in general, let's get step back a little ways. You found these friends in the boathouse in Teddington brewing kombucha. I assume back at the early 2000s, there was no commercial kombucha in the shops, right? Because you hadn't started brewing it. I doubt any was imported. So what's your perception of the awareness of kombucha across Britain? Because I know these days, you know, the newspapers will carry articles. Uh, You've done a great job promoting it. I mean, I always say, even on the sort of ground zero where GT Dave brews his kombucha in Southern California, you could still find maybe half the people have drunk it, maybe not. I mean, what's your perception of the average person in Britain's awareness of kombucha? How many do you think it tastes like? Because I get the impression it's a sliver of a sliver. Is that correct? Well, round, round about 2000, you kind of like picked that as a, as a kind of a ground zero for, for a starting point, if you like. I was, I was very busy, um, I've been many years um, building up a publishing business, 
that I actually started at school, um, age 15, and I kind of carried it over into, you know, I left school, didn't go to university, um, kind of built that up into something quite successful internationally. Um, So in 2000, you know, I I was busy with spreadsheets every day, chasing deadlines. I had no conception of kombucha, although I was very much into health and fitness, a a regular gym goer. Um, and, and you know, very mindful of, of what I was consuming. Um, but I do know, um, post discovering kombucha, that there's always been a, a community of drinkers in the UK, kind of like a network. Um, but at the time, there, there was, you know, emailing wasn't really, you know, to the full. But there were there were a lovely couple called Alec and Mary Bartholomew, and they were kind of like the the, the um, but the fathers, the forefathers of kombucha in the UK, uh, they, they wrote books. Um, one of which is still talked about, you know, um, talked of very fondly. It's available on Amazon because a- a- Alec Bartholomew, he was, um, you know, he knew all about kombucha. Uh, I think at one point they they were invited onto ITV, onto a magazine show called This Morning. Um, I think that was 1995, and they were so deluged with with inquiries after the show uh, that they, that they realised there could be a potential to, you know, to make kombucha uh, commercially, but they never followed that through. It was only really mm. when, when, when I kind of sought them out um, 2003, um, I really want, wanted their wisdom, you know, uh, to work with them, you know, for, for, for tips, because it, bear in mind, I was a pioneer, if you like, there was no other people making kombucha, as you say, so I was very much out in the wilderness. Uh, I, re, re, I, you know, it, it was only my friends on the houseboat who were making it, but no, but nobody with the real in-depth knowledge, you know, and kind of like a, able to troubleshoot, you know. Um, so, so rest of the day, you can you can launch a kombucha business. There's always people, you know, making it commercially or whatever who are able to advise. But back then, we didn't we didn't really have that luxury. Um, mm-hmm. I just had the benefit of my friends had made it on their, their houseboat for, for 10, I think since, since actually 1995, maybe that actually, maybe they were actually started when they sing Alec and Marie on, on the TV. But uh, really about 95, I'd say, is, is when, you know, um, it, it became less grassroots and, be, and sort of become more, more of a network thing where people would, you know, um, I don't know, I kind of seek out information about it. Because I think that's also where yeah. Alec wrote his book. I can't, I can't remember the title, but if you go to Amazon okay. and type in Alec Bartholomew, you'll, you'll, you'll find it quite easily. Okay. But and what I'm curious about, though, um, Gary, is so you started making it in 2003, and you obviously had to then sell it. So when you, what were the consumers that you ran into in those days? Were you kind of going to farmer's markets, or how did you build a... How did people? Was there a thirst for it? I guess is the best way of putting it. Or was it something well, that you had to kind of people's arms? Right. Sorry, that wasn't really my department. You see, my my my, my role solely. I was selling my flat in London, quite a prime area called Brick Lane, and I was selling it at the time. And um, I was literally just going to the house, 
to the boathouse that particular day just to say goodbye to to, to my friends I decided to go trapping for six months you know after 17 years running a publishing business that you'd grown you know you'd started in your parents back bedroom you know for 17 years it, it became all consuming so I needed that 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 kind of that separation from you know just just to go off and you know travel and you know maybe discover even you know what what my next um vacation might be so so really my, my only involvement in the very early days was basically the, the cash cow but um as soon as i turned i was selling selling my my my, my flat um they, they kind of like hinted, hinted that maybe you know i could um you know uh invest in making their their hobby something a bit a bit bit a bit bigger uh so yeah. Yeah, that was my only role so so really it you know, I went, I went to a trapping for six months, and I, and I basically left them to it, um, expecting to come back and finding go, uh, not go kombucha. It wasn't go kombucha at the time. It was Gaia uh, Boathouse kombucha, but I expected it to be selling. I was very naive, but you know, all the local health food stores, and of course, things don't really happen that quickly. Um, but I really, you know, had, had no idea you know, what, what what route they would take to market. So I just came back after six months and nothing has really got moving. Okay. Uh, well, let's, let's, uh, let me ask the question in a different way. So today, I'm sort of jumping ahead 20 years, as I've seen your business is primarily, if not, ex- not exclusively, but primarily direct consumer, right? So Go Kombucha wouldn't still be on the shelf of uh, Live foods in Liverpool, where I spotted it five years ago, it, it, it's primarily you, you, you're selling to discerning consumers. So you've mm. built up a, 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 maybe a, a large, substantial following with some real nice influencer types. So today, there's a, there's a demand for your kombucha, right, amongst people who, anticipate, who can uh, appreciate an authentic uh, glass-bottled kombucha. What changed over the last 20 years in terms of the British consumer is what I'm asking. Uh, okay, well, what changed more than anything, um, apart from people waking up to, you know, more mindful uh, eating and keeping it healthy, um, becoming more interested in how the body works, realizing that, you know, the gut really is where everything everything flows from. So if the gut is healthy, gets in, in balance and in harmony, then everything else follows from from you know your, your skin your you know your your your, your clarity of thought uh, your all-round health really so um but, but what what's really changed over the last 20 years is retail itself in fact you mentioned live in liverpool and they they used to sell i mean literally um a pallet a pallet of our product a month it was a very interesting store it's basically health food um, but it was huge it was almost like a department store and they used to have a whole section dedicated to our product and 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 god bless them you know they were wonderful i mean you know but unfortunately they that they um i got a, a letter from the receivers one day to say that they'd gone bust and could, would i like to add my name to the, the, the creditors list if there was any money to pay out so that that, that, that was my, my first real blow that was several years ago but what's happened since then, of course, is uh, we, we, you know, in the UK, retail is really on its knees. Um, and, you know, I just had an aha moment about 18 months ago. I really knew the direction that retail was going. And, and during COVID, um, you know, thankfully, uh, our, our new website um, had reopened just before 
well, just 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 around about the time COVID hit. So it it was basically re, remade as a portal, as a kind of a uh, consumer friendly, easy to navigate, um, booch boutique we call it. So people could just literally order, you know, order very easy, click of a button, get it delivered the next day. Um, you know, almost like you you, you know. Uh, or, you know, like milk used to be delivered to your doorstep each morning. Mm. So, so, so at that point, about half of our sales were then grew um, via, via the website. But, but then, you know, as things developed and and the lockdowns hit, I realised just how vulnerable um, retail was as a sector for for people selling, um, you know, products like kombucha, whereby you know have a sell by date. Um, and uh, you know, a lockdown lasting six months. Well, there, there, there goes you know a good a, a good amount of your stock. Um, also, I think a couple couple of years ago, one of the major distribution the distri- distributors uh, burnt down. I think they're called Marigold. So that was a very unnerving. So it was about eighteen months ago that that I just decided, you know what. Um, you know, we, we built up our uh, our database to like almost three thousand, uh, you know, loyal customers who are like ordering regularly. Um, we don't need we don't need the the, the hassle of uh, you know um, supplying to cafes that 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 ask for a sample pack that's thirty pound right away. It's costing us. Then deciding that they don't want to stock us, and then deciding that they do, and then not paying their bill, and having to, you know, replicate that a hundred times. And you know, we just like eight months ago, it just occurred to us, you know, wh- why give half a margin away to, to the to distributors and you know uh, into retail, and when we could when we could just keep that, you know, we could just sell a few less bottles a year, but we make that money up selling at full price to our low customer base. We'd have more time to um, deal on an individual basis with a customer if they have a query or a question. You know, we'd have to rush them. We take our time now. You know, really getting to know our customers. Um, and, and funnily enough, we made that decision 18 months ago, <laughs> and, and within a month of making that decision, uh, True of Life, our biggest distributor, uh, went into liquidation. <laughs> uh, that was just a pure. That was a pure. I don't know if it's a fluke. It's not really. It's not not a nice thing at all. But it was one of those things that you think, oh my gosh, if I, if I'd still been in there, we'd, look, we'd have lost a lot of our stock. Um, and then, and yeah, then of course, yeah. Then of course, yeah, one of well, the I, I, I was going to just interrupt a second. I mean, what you're doing is. I was going to say it's totally unique. It's probably unique in Britain. But I, I will draw people's attention who are listening to this to a previous interview I did a couple of months ago. I think he's almost your. Uh, alter ego in the U.S. If you've heard of, uh, there's a company on the East Coast in Massachusetts called Stealth Naked Kombucha, and Ron Chappeldane is very passionate about authentic, high-quality kombucha. And he, as you will hear if you listen to that, if people listen to that interview, does the same. He does direct-to-consumer sales. And now his challenge is the U.S. is 3,000 miles wide, so I don't think he ships to me on the West Coast. It would take too far geographically but you're shipping I, I looked on your website and it is very easy to navigate again and encourage people to go to gokombucha.co.uk and under shop the link you can see all of the individual bottles as well as the packs you have the 
the lights and the dark and the beautiful mixed packages. And as I understand it, you ship everywhere pretty much in one to two days, except for, you know, the north of Scotland and, and, and the Channel Islands and places. How is that? How does that work? I mean, do you ship through the British to the GPO, is it called, or do you have a special uh, packaging that you use? I'm just curious to know, without needing to go into every last detail, is that easy enough to ship glass bottles through the uh, overnight to people? We we use a specialised glass handler, and they're called APC. So if there's anybody you know, in the UK listening, I would really, really rate them because basically they, they handle all of our parcels by hand. Nothing goes on a conveyor belt, nothing gets dropped. Um, you know, I've gone, if you don't trust pilot, a lot of our, uh, my, my competitors, um, they're let, a lot of them are let down by, you know, the more generalized um, courier companies like EPD and uh, or FedEx, you know, uh, you know, you really need a specialist company that, that, that offers a, a, a service, a specialized service for glass products. So it costs us a little bit more, and that's reflected in our delivery, but we also subsidize as well. So customers aren't paying the full amount that we do. We subsidize that, but we also then offer free delivery, anything over £45. But, but the other major, major bonus of um, if you're able to move entirely to direct sell is that you have complete control over the distribution of your products. So last year, um, just, just before we pulled out of distribution, which was late spring, we, then, we were then hit by the, uh, the hottest summer that we've had for years and years. I mean, I, I can just remember the summer of 76, which was like a, a, a heat wave every day for like months. And so, you know, if, if, our, if we hadn't had control of our product through, you know, the chilled, distribu- the, the chilled storage chain that we use, um, you know, it's very likely that a lot, a lot of our products would have, would have um, maybe, you know, not exploded because our bottles aren't designed to shatter, but would have certainly, have, have, you know, become very pressurized and would have started leaking through the caps because a lot of stores aren't really that, that sure, you know, always, they don't always know how to, how to um, you know, stop the product. So, so now that we do, we do our own distribution, we're, we're, we're able to have a, we have a fresher product that's not been sitting in a, where, in a warehouse, you know, for, for months on end or, you know, uh, on, a, on a shop shelf, you know, where it's not really as, as cool as it should be. So our product is always fresh going out. Um, and uh, that's one of the, that's been one of, one of the best benefits of, uh, of, of having total control of your distribution, you see. Right, and and just to actually, because you touched on the product, I mean, it's clear from, I've not had the, play, I, I did drink, I think, some of that back five years ago, but honestly, that was so long ago, I can't, I, it doesn't, it, it doesn't stand out on my taste buds five years later, but looking at your website, it, it, you know, it's mouthwateringly clear that you're describing what it looks like, with a couple of exceptions, is your kombucha is what they would call maybe the OG variety, or it's unflavored except maybe you add a, a, a bit of juice to one, green censure. But you've got the red puree, the Yunnan gold, the Darjeeling black, the green censure, the China white. So most of your kombucha is sold unflavored without the added sugars in 750 and 250 milliliter bottles. And is is... Has that always been the case? You you haven't changed the underlying recipe over the years, and the type of well, 
when we started off, we were adding fruit. We were doing like a peach, black currant, and these are all like organic essences of the fruit. So you only need a li- like a little, maybe one like half a mil for a liter to give it that you know that that flavour, that kick. Um, but but then I you know I I really wanted to just go back to basics and think well in ancient China you know would would they be adding all these fussy flavours and botanicals and or would they just brew it and drink it and you know I get I. There's also a real problem when you do start adding uh, fruit, fruit purees, even ginger. That we, we, we've noticed that the product does become a lot, a lot wilder if, if it's not kept at a really cold temperature. So, um, our, you know, without add, adding anything, our kombucha, if it's perfectly balanced between the yeast and the bacteria, and we, you know, it's kind of like a formula. There is, you know. I, I always used to think back in you know back in the day when I knew best. Oh, you know, it's not scientific. This is mag- this is from nature. You know, there's no magic formula, but there really is um, a formula when you when you're brewing to to get all of the like the acids and the sugars. You know, the pH. Everything has to align at a certain point. And when, when you know that point, you can literally store your kombucha ambiently, um, and 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 even the alcohol literally barely moves but it's a it's a very it's a very special formula that we that we, uh, that, that we cherish and obviously protect um so, so so really it was more about stabilizing the product and not having bottles of black currant exploding you know in a warehouse back in the day um but but also look, i must point out I, I did a post today uh on instagram and it was just a photo of you know our product but without the branding around it because I really wanted to make the point that, you know, despite all the lovely branding, the pretty website, and you know, um, you know, my, my kind of, a, I don't know, uh, funny. Sometimes I like to be a bit satiristic or in the place. Basically, all we're selling is pure, hundred percent raw, unadulterated kombucha that anybody could make in their kitchen. What you are when you buy good kombucha, what you are paying for is the years of ex, you know expertise, all the learning, the fine tuning, the finessing. All of that goes into the bottles today. So the content itself is something anyone could make from for basic ingredients. But you know you're you're really basically paying for something that's been you know uh, harnessed and cultivated over many 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 years. So you you know you could make it in your kitchen at home. Um, you'll probably have a good few misses before you get it right. But if you want consistency and the convenience of having ready-made kombucha, just like you'd make at home, then buy Go Kombucha. So, so we're not making yeah. any claim to be some wonderful drink that you know, um, <laughs> you know, anybody could do what we're doing, but they choose not to because they're going for the mass production, they're going for the sales. I'm all of, I'm passionate about what I do, and I would never cut corners. And you know, we've been making our kombucha the same way that we've made since, since day one you know we've been tempted by you know um oh but what you know um, why don't you do this and why don't you you know cheap you know these are cheaper um you know um key or but no no absolutely not it's not it's not about save you know maximizing profits it's all about putting you know the passion and the care and attention to detail into what we do uh Right, right. I mean, that what you say is uh, kind of music to my ears, because I'm a home brewer. It's 15 years of experiments in my own garage, 
and I've drunk more than my fair share of vinegar when it didn't turn out right, <laughs> and I had to throw some away. But, you know, I use good quality tea. I usually don't bother flavoring. I might throw some hibiscus flour or lavender in or a bit of ginger juice. But I, I, I use, you know, Darjeeling and, and um, Central Green. And um, that, I think, to me, a, a little analogy I like to sort of explain is uh, it's kind of like, you know, the wine business. And when I first came to the U.S. in the 1970s, there was not a lot of wine. It wasn't like France and Germany. In England, I don't think, drank a lot of wine back then either. But there was a, a brand called Gallo. It was actually quite, uh, Joan Baez mentioned it in a song once. It was kind of sold in gallon jugs, red wine that, you know, you, you drank to get drunk. And that, of course, there was other brands, but th that was the common wine made from cheap grapes. Well, I live half an hour from the Napa Valley here. And, of course, now you can spend hundreds of dollars on a very fine wine if you drank. I don't drink, but you could. And those are made with exceptionally well-preserved, harvested grape varieties. And I always think I started out using black and green tea bags, you know, Ketleys and stuff. And now I use the, the $30 a pound uh, bulk teas, the loose teas. And, and you've obviously, uh, over the years, over 20 years, got this formula for, and, and so your consumer, your, your customers who go to your website, you, you describe it. This is like a, a complex body with a black grape note. This is a, a good white wine, medium white wine with notes of elderflower. So very much like, you know, a wine connoisseur describes a white or red wine. And, and I, I applaud you for that because you're selling, like you say, kombucha that people could make at home and people could make wine or beer at home. Some people like me, go to the bother but you're selling not just convenience but the expertise that you've developed so just to wrap up this part of the conversation um what i'd like to sort of get your impression on is um well not your impression just give me a, 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 a like a, a couple of minutes on the production techniques i know in sussex you say you've got well, uh, water that's uh, come through the ground that you, you talk about some frequency it's got and then what, what's the I mean obviously you've got your secret sauce I'm not going to ask you to tell me exactly how you make it but what are you using uh, you know the classic stainless steel fermentation vessels or do you still you know a glass or and then you're bottling into glass and, 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 and labeling and so on but is, is that all handled uh, in, this, in that facility in Sussex, on is it, is it on a farm or a vineyard, I think? That's right. It's on a, an old family vineyard. Um, it's been in the same family's hands since 1971. And uh, basically, we found them just for a quick Google search. Uh, I think it was 2007, around about April time. It was a time that um, Lindsay Lohan was arrested um, for breaching her um, alcohol um, you know, no, no, you know, non-alcoholic non bracelet she was wearing, which was linked to the local police station. So if she drank any alcohol, then it would basically go off and alert them. So basically, of course, he was drinking kombucha, and which um, at the time it wasn't that well known. But it put kombucha on the front cover of a lot of women's women's glossy magazines over here in the UK, and it came just at the right time that we were. Starting to get the, the um, business going again, having you know, um, have, me having come in to basically save everything and take over, take over ownership and get it going again on zero percent interest credit cards. So it was just, it was just basically the the, um, 
that bit, bit of luck that we needed because suddenly, you know, we, we, ourselves went crazy for, for a while and we, we, we realised that we had had to, um, the people that I was using at the time to make it, that we basically need or a, a big facility, big, a big warehouse which you could make it, you know, have a bottling line, um, you know, a, a space to then pack it and store all the, the stock you know, and, and section off a part of that warehouse to make it a nice box, basically. And we, we obviously knew we couldn't do that. So my, my idea was basically to find, find somewhere, you know, um, a, a jinx maker with their own bottling line with, with capacity to spare uh, on their premises and then we'd make it basically, you know, in that area that, we were, that we'd rent, pass the product through to their bottling line and they'd do all the rest for us. So... Basically, the, the very first Google search, and remember this is back in 2007 where, you know, things were a bit tweaker back then. Top of the list was the vineyard that we've been in ever since. It's worked out absolutely perfectly because, um, as, as you said earlier, they're based in Sussex, and a part of Sussex called the Wild Basin, and it's actually um, it's actually an area of outstanding natural beauty. It's an it's a, um, it's, it's a area that, that's basically... You can't, you know, you can't touch it or develop it because it's protected, has protected status. So we produce in that environment. It's just totally suited for kombucha. And tying in with that, I would just like to mention about the teas that, that, that you picked up on. And, and yeah, we have six different teas, but we don't, we don't just just pick them up at random. There's, you know, a lot of work went into. Um, we wanted to contrast all, all the different taste notes that every every single. Um, each tea had, had their own characteristics and you'd buy a particular tea for a particular reason so you know if, if you were you know a gym girl and you like beer you know you could drink a gla- uh, half a bottle of, of golden onion before a workout half a bottle after if you were just looking to relax and chill you know on a lazy hazy night in the summertime and you didn't want anything with caffeine in it then we have a white tea kombucha called china white you could drink half a, a, a bottle of a bottle of an evening and, and sleep soundly and you know and, and each one also is, is comparable to an alcoholic beverage so you the green centuries i'm sure you know it's very much like a can be a medium to dry white wine uh puer tea is a red tea which is has that like cider like kick to it uh, the, the the white tea is just like pouring uh champagne or or prosecco it's just absolutely um delicate and floral and fragrance beautiful so we put a lot of thought into the teas and if you get the teas right why would you add an, an extra layer of complexity on top of the teas by adding anything fruity or you know if you get your teas right you've got a, a, an adult mature drink that you can drink instead of alcohol um you know meat on its own um without anything added if, you know the, the, the thought of added a, a complex fruity flavor to a complex an already complex um, kombucha taste, it, it, you know, to me it doesn't make any sense unless it's yep. ginger, of course, and that's that's why you brought out a ginger kombucha. Um, so basically, at, um, fill up, we wanted to fill out our um, our SKUs, our, our, our products for the shop, you know, for, for the new website to, to make it a real boutique experience. And we knew that we needed another flavour, and why not do a ginger because ginger just goes perfectly with kombucha as you know it's probably the the, the most popular you know uh thing that you can add to kombucha everybody says ginger and, it, and it's worked really really well um 
well for us. So we, use, we basically use our green center base with with, with uh, organic ginger juice, and it's absolutely delicious. And uh, it, it's just it's been lovely to have a, a product that does have something added, because then you've got a, a whole variety of, of of tastes and you know to tantalize the palate. And, yeah, well, Gary, this has been very instructive. It's been a, a joy to hear about the growth of your company, the longest established commercial brewery in in the UK. I'm conscious of the time, and people I know when they listen to podcasts don't want to listen to hours and hours, but we still have a whole area to talk about because anybody who's seen your Instagram, who's followed your blog, knows that you are a, a – and brutally honest would be one way, observer of the commercial kombucha scene on the business world, on how to make a success of this business, of the challenges people face. And I'd like to uh, continue this in a second part of this podcast as a new series. So this is part one. Everybody who's listening to it, uh, check out bootsnews.com for the write-up that accompanies it and come back where you'll find part two with uh, my conversation with Gary. Ian, I'd be absolutely delighted. Thanks for listening to Booch News. For more about kombucha, please visit boochnews.com.